Welcome to Season 1, Episode 9 of Interior Creature in Communion. I'm Jacqueline Michelle, and I am so honored that you're here. I cannot wait for you to hear the rest of my conversation with Georgia. She's a mental projector with the Right Angle Cross of the Unexpected in Gate 41. In this final half of our conversation, we got into what the projector strategy really means for decision making. We talked about her channel of abstraction in action, and we looked closer at her Gates 41, 27, 28, and 40. And it's funny, I didn't actually plan for this, but the timing of this episode is actually pretty perfect as the sun and the north node right now are in gate 27 when this comes out and the earth and the south node are sitting in gate 28 and georgia's unconscious sun is in gate 28 and her unconscious earth is in gate 27 so again perfect timing to dig into these programming partners. If you haven't listened to episode eight, you might want to before diving into the second part of our conversation, but I think you'll kind of be okay if you haven't. And as always, if you want to see George's chart, head on over to our YouTube channel and check out the video of this week's episode. Now back to our conversation. And right now, I think it's actually, I'll have to double check where the North and South are sitting, but one of them, they, those are actually programming partners. They're like, they hang out together, they chill together, 27 and 28. So if like your sun is in 27, the earth will be in 28 and vice versa. That's just how they kind of roll. So right now the North Node and South Node are sitting in those two gates and they're asking us to think about kind of that relationship between ourselves as caretakers of our own energy, but also how Mm. that intersects with risk-taking and purpose. I think collectively, because it's it's been there for a while and actually no, the North Node and South Node just moved into gate 28 and 27. a few weeks ago, but like that's, it's going to be there for a while. I think as a collective, we're being asked to kind of reckon a little bit too with like, what was our relationship to like being taken care of as a child or, or seeing risk modeled for us appropriately as a child. And like, then now as an adult, how are we kind of either mirroring that back or pushing back Mm -hmm. against things that maybe weren't as helpful? So you've got that kind of big energy there in your pro in your kind of unconscious, but in your conscious, there's leadership and passion. Um, at the forefront. So your conscious earth sitting in gate 31, it's called the gate of influence. And people with the gate of influence tend to be elected into leadership positions because people trust them. They sense that there's this like, you know what you're talking about, like I feel taken care of. And it's sitting in your third house of like critical thinking, of intellect, of analysis. And so like, there's this like ability almost where people feel like, like, you know, Georgia understands I'm going to trust her. Like I, I want to elevate her into a position of leadership because she's got the intelligence that we need to like get us to where we need to go. And so once you kind of find those communities that want your intellect, then we can step into the, the power that is your conscious son, which is sitting in gate 41. And 41 mm-hmm. is the first uh, gate of the rave new year. Gate 41 is all about emotional manifestation it sits in the root center and 41 wants us to bridge the gap between fantasy and reality. So 41 is basically like, it's called the gate of contraction. Here's this thing that I I want and I'm emotionally invested in. And I have a pressure to find it, to identify what that thing is. And the challenge with that is sometimes then we, we tend toward fantasy. Like we project this whole fantasy world in our head of what that thing could look like, but we then Mm -hmm. get so overwhelmed by maybe the enormity of it that we don't start taking aligned action in the real world. Or we just decide we're going to live in the fantasy world and like not, I don't know, it just kind of not actually bring it into the real world. So people with Gate 41 as their conscious son, like are here to really get clear about what is my, what would my fantasy lifestyle look like? You know, what am I doing? Where am I? With whom? Like, what does my day look like? And every day, can you take action 
to start making that fantasy a reality. Like what are those aligned actions you need to take to kind of get there? And for you, it's sitting in the ninth house of like wisdom, higher education, philosophy, cross-cultural learning. So it's an interesting, it's very kind of social, very Aquarian, this vibe. That's that's very helpful as well to know. You know, with all these different facets and uh, and all the different placements, it takes a little bit of getting used to you. And I think once you become a little bit more versed in it, it's easier to understand and to see how everything works together to, to create sort of a pattern that then becomes a language that, that then you yeah. can understand. But I think prior to knowing that, if you just have a, a cursory look at it, it's it, it can be incredibly intimidating. A thousand percent. And that was kind of why I mentioned your, your channel earlier too, because your channel of abstraction it's the terrible name for the channel because your your brain doesn't want things to be abstract. It wants to concretize them for people. It wants to turn something that seems very loopy and very disconnected mm-hmm. into that mm-hmm. central narrative, which is why I love the fact that you were like, we want the story. What is the bigger story? And I think sometimes that that's missing from uh, people's teachings or transmissions of the system is how all these parts and pieces really work together because you're absolutely right. There's a larger story. And if we can understand the narrative that is our chart, this pattern, this path that we've just been like provided for us, then it's so much easier for us to go, okay, well, how do I take the information that's in here and move it from epiphany, like, oh, this makes so much sense to like embodied action and kind of moving it into the world. And that's actually one of the things you're here to get really good at and do is to be able to kind of take things from abstract to concrete for people to kind of provide that narrative, but also with your own take and your own spin on it because you've got gate 43, the gate of insight. So it's all about kind of like, I think as you're, you're learning, and if it turns out to be human design, it's like, as you're learning the system, you're going to have epiphanies, you're going to have insights, and you're going to be like, I want to make this as clear and actionable to people as people or to people as possible. And I want them to understand the story as you're making kind of that story clear for yourself, for your children, for your family, for your community. And that's a beautiful way of like using that intellect as a, as a mental projector, as that epiphany, like kind of to help like guide with that. It's a beautiful energy to steward. And it feels, it feels very fitting. And, and even with the work that I do now, you were, you were saying earlier about, you know, people sort of feeling like, oh, we can trust Georgia. She knows what she's doing. It, it very much applies to the job that I do now because I have different clients who have different requirements, for example. And, you know, when they need something done, they will come to me and say, how do you think I should do this? Or mm-hmm. can I do this this way? Or can I do it that way? So it is also seeking that sort of guidance um, mm-hmm. a lot of the time. It's not always like that, but there are, but there are times when it is. And that's comes quite easily to me. And that's um, good. That's a big green flag that as a projector, you're in the right place. Cause like your involvement right. is sought and that's all an invitation is like people get overcomplicate this idea of like waiting for recognition and invitation. You're right. Seeing- that's, that's something that I was struggling with as well. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, please. Um, you know, trying to understand a little bit more about invitations. So I understand that, you know, I don't need an invitation for Monday and day to day things, mm-hmm. but drawing the distinction can be difficult and also I have read or been told that I need to be invited out of an invitation as well I don't know (laughs) there's some weird I've seen weird advice about projectors there's a lot of first my first rule of thumb is it feels restrictive it's probably not correct like because this is supposed this system is supposed to be a system that helps you get like more expansive with your energy and get more aligned with like the right things. So if it feels like a set of rules, 
Like that's not, that's not, I don't know, that's at least not the way I see the system. My understanding of a projector is again, because y'all are the guides, we're trying to project, protect rather that, that open sacral that you have. I don't want you to waste your energy trying to guide the people that you're not meant to guide. And right. that's literally right. the, the role I think your strategy plays. And so this kind of per first part of it, because it's not even just waiting for an invitation, it's waiting for recognition and an invitation. And to me, all that means is I have to find my people. I have to right. find the people that see me, hear me, value me and include me. And it goes both ways. Like I have to see them. I have to value them. I have mm -hmm. to want to be included by them. I have to want to include them as well. Like I have to value them. Like all those, those kind of four criteria need to be met. And then once you found your people, is your involvement sought? Like that's mm. how I see the invitation. It's, it's literally like anything that seeks your involvement. It could be someone like saving a yoga mat for you at the Tuesday yoga class you normally go to. And you guys maybe never had a conversation, but you, you're always in the same Tuesday class and you always end up next to each other and they save you a mat one day. That's an mm -hmm. invitation. That's your involvement being sought, right? Like, or it could be someone like formally inviting you to apply for a job or to like give a presentation somewhere. So being seen, heard, valued, included, having your involvement actively sought, like those are the, those are basically the conditions under which a projector thrives. And that's going to lead them to those feelings of success. Like I shared my take, I shared my guidance, whether either about the people or about the process, whatever it was, it was seen, it was heard, it was valued, it was included. Maybe they don't always follow it to the letter. Maybe there's some collaboration, some compromise, whatever it is. But I felt like my presence was valuable, right? That's what we want for you as a projector. The bitterness is the thing that lets you know you're with the wrong people <laughs> or it's not the right time or it's not the right audience or whatever it is. Like there's some part of those like, you know, five pronged, like seen, heard, valued, included, involvement, thought, like one of those prongs is missing and mm -hmm. it can't be forced. That's the other challenge. Like a lot of projectors also wear themselves out going like, I, it has to be this group of people or it has to be this timing. And so they try to force, it's like a square peg in a round hole. They try to force it. And that's where the bitterness comes in. The bitterness is right. just your body's way of letting you know, because our body speaks to us through the language of discomfort either, you know, you're forcing and it's not, it's just not going to happen. Or, you know, you're just giving your energy, which is beautiful and sacred to the wrong thing. So I personally see it as like, almost like vibes you're trying to cultivate and curate around you and conditions under which you're going to be successful. And for something small, like what checkout line you get in at the grocery store, like we don't need this. It's only for like kind of decisions that have bigger and bigger import in our lives, right? Um, mm -hmm. I don't think you need to be invited out of something either. It's just that we're constantly, things are constantly coming up in our life that we need to like take action toward, right? Either it's a job is changing or, you know, something's going on at the school or, you know, a friend comes to you with a crisis. Like there's things that we have to kind of take action toward or not constantly in our life. And I think if you can kind of use those vibes as a guiding principle, it puts mm -hmm. you in the path of success much more frequently. Okay. That, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But what if prior to someone knowing their type, they may not know that they're a projector. What if they in inadvertently accept an invitation that, that isn't really correct for them? Are they going to be stuck there? I mean, it depends. It depends on how self-aware they are. It totally depends. Like a lot of projectors, I think, naturally have that path. It's almost like your body has to show you it doesn't work to show you it does. But again, it depends on how self-aware. I've seen a lot of people keep like trying to like, again, push against something. Like maybe a better example is um, I had a client who's a marriage counselor. And her son had his first um, big breakup. Like he was like 16 years old. He had just gotten dumped and he was oh. heartbroken. I know. I, just, I remember, 
I, it was funny. She showed me his chart and he also has a lot of Pisces placements. And so do I. And I was like, oh God, his little cancer moon, his little Pisces Venus. It was just like, oh, this poor, this poor little guy. Um, and you know how like deeply we feel about things like that when we're like 16 and 15, we yes. literally think the world is ending. Well, yes. mom being a marriage counselor is literally like, this is it. This is the jam. I can go in, I can help. But like him as a 16 year old boy was like, mom, like he didn't want to have that conversation with her. And she actually had come to me because one of the things like she wanted to look at his chart and understand him better. She was like, I feel like, you know, I could help him and I keep trying and I keep trying and I keep trying. He's just like, he shut the door in my face and literally and metaphorically. And I'm like, well, the, the, that's the part of the problem. It's like, he's not a receptive audience right now. Right now he sees you as his mom. He doesn't see you as a therapist and a counselor right. and an expert in that field. I said, you know, as time goes by, you know, when he's 26, he might have you on speed dial for every little romantic <laughs> hiccup. But just at this moment, like that's not the way he recognizes you. He recognizes you as his mom. So how can you support mm -hmm. him as his mother and not as his counselor? And it was just like, it just kind of like, where is that recognition? So that self-awareness of going the way that I want to help and, and guide may not actually be the guidance that's needed in the moment. Like that's another thing to be really aware of too. Right. And I think for you, it's also that like, you know, because of that sounding board authority, like it's gotta be something that clicks and makes sense for you and gives you that like mental aha and also be that right community where the environment feels really good. And again, like you're around the right energy. So like you're able to come to that clear kind of intellectual epiphany. But yeah, I think you don't, you don't need to get trapped there unless you are really kind of blind to, you know, the questions and the awareness. I think having a, be, knowing about your strategy and your authority as a projector can kind of show you why certain things weren't working and can give you an alternate pathway to things that Are you a small business owner or a spiritual practitioner working in the wellness space? Do you want to get your offerings in the ear holes of the amazing members of the Interior Creature community? If so, you are in luck because I'm looking for sponsors for upcoming episodes. Drop me an email at interiorcreature at gmail.com and interiorcreatures, all one word, and let's chat and see if you're a good fit. Now, back to the pod. That's that's very helpful. I w it was a very confusing thing to me um, initially because it kind of made me feel as though everything that I had or every invitation that I'd entered into was kind of an entanglement for me. And I was wondering how I was going to get out of this. Mm -hmm. That's actually related to the way your heart center is, is wired. And like, that's the last thing I would, that we'll talk about is you have this open heart center and the heart governs what we commit to, what we follow through on, um, what we desire. And you and I both having that center open we don't always know what we want. We don't always know how much is too much or how much is not enough. And it's right. really common for open heart centered people to way overextend ourselves and to way overcommit ourselves and then to feel entangled and entrapped. And with your chart too, you've got gate 40 as a, in addition to gate 27. And granted they're in your unconscious, but I, I just think that gate 40 is such a, every person that I've read for who has gate 40 in their chart tends to sometimes have this like conditioning that like, if I don't do it, nobody else will. And they put so much pressure on themselves to be these caretakers, to be these providers. Because gate 40, the gate of aloneness, literally its shadow is like, I have to take it on my shoulders by myself. Right, right. So we see these kind of situations that we get into, even if it's not meant for us, we take a lot of responsibility for like 
you know, well, we're, I'm here now and now it's on my shoulders and like, I need to like, it, it feels almost like irresponsible to extract ourselves rather than like try to force to make it work when actually like somebody else is going to better serve that situation. And it's actually probably better for all parties if we disentangle ourselves and try to find the thing that's more aligned. Right. So that, <laughs> that does be, make sense. Mm-hmm. And that would be another, I mean, in addition to gate 27, gate 40 for you, because it's your, in your unconscious Saturn. So it's probably a big theme of, you know, your first Saturn return, it'll be a big theme of your second Saturn return, which will happen like right before you hit 60, um, is this idea of, you know, where am I maybe putting too much on my shoulders? Where might I be overcommitting myself? Where might mm. I be taking the burden on that's actually not my burden to carry? Like, <laughs> you know, and, and how is that maybe a challenge? Like, where can I put that burden down? That's that's very true, and it's uh, it's um it's also very relevant because that has that's uh, a, th- a recurring theme with me. <laughs> mm. When I see gate twenty seven, forty, or nineteen in someone's chart, I'm always like, oh my gosh, they light themselves on fire to keep other people warm, don't they? Like yes. that's always the shadow, <laughs> and it's it's funny because like the shadow can go one of two ways. Like I look at the shadow as like. So Rudd calls it like the repressive or the reactive. Either I'm repressing the self in favor of others or I'm glorifying the self to the detriment of others. Most people with 40, 27, and 19 placements, or all three, are in the in the repressive side where it's like, I have to be the caretaker. I have to be the provider. Everyone else comes first. I don't get to come at all. It's all hands on, it's all, my hands on deck. And like everybody else is like, <laughs> it's like everyone else gets in the lifeboat and you're treading water next to it, right? And like, that's not sustainable. Um, and it ends up building up resentment over time too. Because the other thing that happens with this too is a lot of times people, with, especially 40 and 27 are like, I'm supposed to be the provider. And they struggle with asking to be provided for. So like right. receiving help, asking for help like those tend to be like two kind of like ooh, yeah I need to get better at that kind of you know things that because that's that's how like you need to allow yourself to be nurtured as much as you're nurturing others like 27 and 40 are here to teach you that that's very true <laughs> that's very very true I'm kind of seeing it as learning a language and once you know you become familiar with the vernacular and mm-hmm what everything means and how it fits together, then you can you can perhaps start to speak the language. And once yep. you've learned to to speak and understand, you can start to write. So it's all different processes and all different phases taking into account all these various um, elements that fit into it. Yeah. It's the astrology is, is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um I see on as I was saying on the design side, there's a, a whole lot of Scorpio, which yes. I wasn't aware of. Yeah, I was laughing because you're you and I have we have a lot of water in our chart, but I was like, oh man, she has a lot more water than I. I like you know, we always <laughs> I always come back to myself, but I was like, that's a lot of Scorpio. But that just means there's a lot of passion because like our unconscious really represents again our past life energy. It's also like our ancestral heritage or epigenetic heritage. It's like how we relate to the world around us, and like mm-hmm. there's a lot of like I always think of Scorpio as like boiling water of the water signs, like it's fiery and it's mysterious, but it's also intense and it's loyal. And it has like all that kind of deep, deep emotionality to it. Like there's passion that is like firing your unconscious, which is really helpful because there's a lot of pragmatic energy, like in your conscious personality, like we got a lot of Virgo, Capricorn, Sagittarius, Mm. even though Sagittarius is a fire sign, it's very kind of intellectual. Um, it's kind of an intellectual fire sign, right? And like mm. Libra being very judicious and like, so there's a kind of like, it's this fiery passion that's like coming from these past lives before kind of 
mm-hmm. also informing how you walk through the world. It's giving like heart and character and texture to the presentation of the of the conscious personality. So I love looking at them all together because that's kind of, yeah, it's all of it is us. That's amazing. Is there ever a time when the conscious and the unconscious are very similar? Well, the unconscious represents three months or roughly 88 days prior to when you you exited the womb. So it really just depends on the astrology. Like yours was interesting because Scorpio, like Mercury, Venus, and Mars, sometimes this happens where their rotations kind of line up and they all end up around the same cluster of gates or in the same zodiac sign at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. The ones that are always going to be really similar are those slower moving planets. Like for example, in your chart, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, all the same because those are slower moving planets. Like it happened to be like in the middle of some of the you know, degree band of the, that 30 degrees where your conscious placement was. And when we went back three months, like it didn't bump you back into the previous zodiac sign. It stayed in the same kind of 30 degree band of the sky. So a lot right. of times we'll see very similar, you know, especially Pluto, which like, what takes like 287 years to like <laughs> go or, or 227 is some ridiculous amount of time. Yeah. Um, so that's typically in the same and the sometimes even in the same, um, same gate, some not normally not the same line, but like same gate. Um, but typically the upper ones, it's always going to be a different sun and earth because again, three months prior, it was a very different, the sun was in a different position. The moon, sometimes it just depends on like the time of day, depends on where the moon was also in its like 28 day cycle. Um, yeah, the nodes though, take a long time to transit as well. So a lot of times you'll see the nodes stay the same. Like you have, uh, Virgo North node, Pisces South node, like that, Mm -hmm. that didn't change as well. So that's very interesting to know. Thank you. That cleared yeah. up a lot. It's, you just explained everything. <laughs> That's it for this week's episode. If you're interested in shining a spotlight on your needle charts to understand the finer points of your soul's contract this lifetime, head on over to interiorcreature.com and click on the book a reading link on the menu bar. That'll open a page that explains all the levels of readings that I offer so you can determine which one meets you where you are in your human design journey. And now through the 30th of April, you can use the code Taurus at checkout and score 20% off the reading of your choice. That's Taurus like the zodiac sign. And if you've been self-studying for a while and you're interested in taking all the epiphanies that you've had about your energetics and really start to deeply embody the most compassionate, expansive expression of that energy, you're invited to join me in the Karmic Studies Elevator. So head on over again to interiorcreature.com, click on that link in the menu bar for more information. Thank you so much again to Georgia for sitting with me in communion and to you for tuning in. Until next week.